for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 142, hard to believe. And I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. On my podcast, I interview child and adolescent experts to help you understand your kids and why they do what they do so that you can be the parent you want to be. No topic is off limits. So if there's a subject that you would like discussed, let me know again. The podcasts are for you. At the end of each podcast, I'll give you three points to ponder, takeaways, so that you have something to practice right away. And remember, friends, subscribe to the podcast because every episode contains the most up-to-date professional help on a variety of parenting and kid issues. PGK is on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Google Play Store. If you feel that any of the PGK podcasts encourage you or teach you or give you insight into parenting your kids, check out our online private community, Parenting Great Kids. You can go in there and ask me questions and I will personally answer you. You can chat with other parents struggling with the same issues you have. And once you join, you will have access to every course I've created free. Check it out, meekerparenting.com and click on the link, PGK Community on the front page. Friends, thank you for joining me today. I don't have a guest. You just get me, moi, for the entire half hour because I wanted to talk to you about a very important conversation that you need to have, every parent needs to have with their kids, and that is why you need to talk to your kids about sex and how to do it. During my podcast, I'll need to take a couple of breaks like I always do to let you hear about some of our best sponsors. So now I want you to listen in on more of my talk to you about why you need to talk to your kids about sex. During the late 1990s, I began speaking out about the sexualization of girls and of boys. And the reason I did that is because our girls were teenagers during the late 1990s. And whenever I went with them to buy clothes, I was really disturbed that the clothes were skimpy and tight and made to look sexy. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, this isn't what I want my teenage girls to be wearing. I want them to wear something that makes them feel good about who they are as women. And so I began to talk to them about it and talk to friends about it. During that time, I was also practicing pediatrics in Northern Michigan, and I began to see something very disturbing in my practice. I was taking care of my friends, kids, and my kids' friends. And I started to see some sexually transmitted infections in my teen patients. And I was very disturbed by this. One day, 
a lovely 14 year old girl came into my practice and she had just had surgery by her OBGYN where she had to have most of her cervix removed. And I said to her, honey, do you know how you got this? And she said, no. And I said, well, tell me about your boyfriend. She said, well, he's awesome. He's 17. And I think we're going to get married when we get older. And I didn't say anything. And I said, well, you got cervical cancer or early cervical cancer. And that's the reason your doctor had to cut out most of your cervix. You got this cancer because you got infected with a virus called HPV. She'd never heard of it. And I said, didn't your doctor tell you that? And she said, no. So I called up a number of wonderful OBGYNs in our area. And I asked, were they talking to their teenagers about infections? And many of them said, no, because if I took the time to talk to every kid about getting an infection, my day would go 14, 15, 16 hours. There are just so many infections out there. They felt overwhelmed. They weren't bad doctors. They were great. They just felt completely overwhelmed. So here I was by day seeing kids with infections and then going home and my girls were being sold sexy clothes. And I thought, there's an enormous disconnect here. What is happening? So I began doing some research and what I found was, well, I don't, it was startling. I want to say it was terrifying. It wasn't terrifying, but it was very, very unnerving. And I began to start at the CDC and then I went to the NIH and then I went to major medical journals, New England Journal of Medicine. And what I found was overwhelming. And here's, I want to show you a little bit of what I found because you as a parent need to know about it um, and you need to tell your kids about it because it's very, very important. I found, and if you don't believe me, all you need to do is go to the CDC website. It's right there. Just um, look under adolescence and sexual activity. I found that According to the CDC, there are currently more than 68 million Americans who have a sexually transmitted infection. That's one out of five Americans. An estimated 26 million new cases in the U.S. alone occur every year. And here's the one that really got me. Young people aged 15 to 24 account for 45 percent of all the infections, and yet they make up only 30 percent of the U.S. population. Chlamydia, we have 1.8 million new cases during the year, so we're seeing a 20 percent increase since 2015. Gonorrhea, I know this is hard to hear about, but you need to. 616,000 new cases in 2019. There's a 50 5.0% increase in 2015. Primary and secondary syphilis is alive and well, and there's been a 70% increase since 2015. I need to keep going because I'm going to run down the numbers for you because this is the deepest, darkest secret in America, and there's a reason for that, and I'll touch on that a little bit later. Some STIs are curable and others aren't. STIs can present without any signs or symptoms. They can be spread even if there are no signs or symptoms. Some STIs are resistant to medication or difficult to treat. Some STIs, like herpes type 1 and herpes type 2, 
are incurable. Yes, we can give medication to keep them at bay, but people live with them for the rest of their lives once they contract them. The impact of sexually transmitted infection goes beyond the physical consequences of the infection. They can impact relationship with others as well as an impact a person's self-esteem. A study on women diagnosed with STIs reported that feelings of frustration, anxiety, anger, isolation, and embarrassment were some of the negative emotions that were commonly experienced. One in 20 sexually active young women, 14 to 24, has chlamydia. Almost two-thirds of new chlamydia infections occur in young people age 15 to 24. Most of the time, chlamydia does not cause symptoms. If chlamydia is not treated, it can result in something called PID, pelvic inflammatory disease. That can be life-threatening and it can cause infertility. Gonorrhea, syphilis, those are bacterial infections. Now let's move on to the viral infections. There's genital herpes. It's believed that most people with genital herpes, known as herpes type 2, have not been diagnosed. The CDC estimates that 776,000 people in the U.S. get a new genital herpes infection every year. They estimate that there are currently 18.6 million HSV2 cases in the U.S. Genital herpes is spread through vaginal, anal, and oral sex, as well as through skin-to-skin -skin contact. In one large study, 74% of HSV1, so oral lip herpes, and 63% of HSV2 infections did not produce symptoms that participants recognized. Since many people don't know they're infected with a herpes virus, they can spread it unintentionally and, friends, having herpes type 2 while you're pregnant and you get a primary infection while you're pregnant can have devastating results on your baby if you don't know you have it. Then, of course, we have HPV, human papillomavirus. Most, many of you are immunizing your kids against it, boys and girls right now. It is the most common sexually transmitted infection. It's a viral infection spread through sex or skin-to-skin -skin contact. There are more than 100 types of HPV, and of those, about 40 types infect the genital area. HPV types are often referred to as low-risk they cause warts, or high-risk cancer-causing based on whether they put a person at risk for cancer. Cancers caused by HPV, virtually all cervical cancers, 90% of anal cancers, 70% of oropharyngeal cancers, 75% of vaginal cancers, 70% of vulvar cancers, and it goes on and on. I'm going to touch down on HIV just to be thorough. 32,000 people, 18 years old, and older were diagnosed with HIV. 984,000 are currently living with HIV. And here are the behaviors. Now, this is the most important thing. You don't have to memorize numbers, okay? But I give you those numbers because you need to know this is serious stuff. Sex is not for kids. Behaviors that 
increase the risk of getting an STI in your child, teenager, are these. Having multiple sexual partners, engaging in anal sex, not using a condom, and starting sex young, less than 16 years of age. And I know that this is terrifying, but you need to know. Parents, I hope you're enjoying this really hard subject. I need to take a quick break, but please don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Now I want to talk to you about the emotional aspects of kids having sex, because this is what they want to hear about. They don't want to hear about those diseases because they're gooky and ooky and just blech. And because they're teenagers, they truly don't believe that they're going to get any because they're living with a personal fable. That's a conversation for another time. But many kids want to know, well, I'm willing to listen to you if you tell me not to have sex when I'm a teenager, if you tell me why it's going to make me feel bad. Well, we now know that depression is linked to teenage sexual activity because depression is all about losses, okay? Ungrieved losses in the human heart. And when teenagers have sex, there's a lot of loss that can occur. They break up with their boyfriend or girlfriend, that's lost. Sometimes they lose trust in themselves because they really didn't want to have sex, but they caved and so on and so forth. 40% of girls um, say they have sex with their boyfriend, but they don't want it. And the reason they do it, but they don't want it is because they say they don't want to hurt their boyfriend's feelings by saying no. They need to know that there's a huge consequence by caving. But there are all sorts of losses that occur, loss in trust, loss in virginity, loss in self-esteem. If their sexual partner goes and talks about his experience or her experience with their partner and does so in a negative way, tons of losses. So kids need to know that, that they're playing with fire. Now, the reason I go through this with you, friends, is because you won't hear it in the news. You won't read about it on the front page of USA Today. And here's why. I've been doing this a long time. Because when you talk to teenagers about decreasing sexual activity, it becomes a huge financial and social issue. There's a lot of money to be made in keeping our kids sexually active because advertisers who market anything from soap to movies to songs to shoes lace their products with sex in order to sell them to kids because they know they'll buy them. It's also a huge political debate. Some people believe that kids are just going to be sexually active no matter what, and they want to do damage control. So make sure they wear condoms. The problem is condoms don't work the same against every infection. Kids always ask me, but don't condoms work? And I say, it depends. Are you talking about a viral or uh, bacterial infection? Are you talking about a skin to skin uh, transmitted infection or uh, an infection spread through body fluids? It's complicated. Condoms aren't a silver bullet. And it also, many who teach sex ed to kids believe or have been trained to believe the kids can't help themselves. And that's a lie. And our kids know that's how we believe. They told me that and they find it an insult. So 
This is why you need to talk to your kids about sex because they're exposed to sex and they see it in a very negative, shameful light. Teenagers see it on Instagram and social media and they see it in movies. And let's be honest, it's portrayed in a very crass manner. Often the people don't even have a relationship. They're, they're shown hooking up and it can be very traumatizing to kids and appear very ugly. And kids need to understand that sex is amazing, that it's wonderful, that they're going to be sexually active for decades ahead. And that your job and my job as adults who care for them is to protect as many of those decades as possible so that they can have a great sexual experience. Also, we need to talk about pornography. The average age of a child seeing pornography is nine. And when kids see pornography, they're not looking at Playboy magazines. They're looking at videos of people being sexually active in bizarre and peculiar ways. Friends, it's traumatizing to a 10, 11, 12, 14-year-old kid to see pornography. And they come across it, not because they're looking for it, but because they heard a friend saw it or a friend wants to show them. And they're shocked. They're not necessarily sexually charged. They're shocked. So they go back and back and back. But it teaches them that sexual activity is twisted. And our job is to teach them just the opposite, that sexual activity is not twisted. It doesn't need to come with infections. It doesn't need to come with depression. It is a wonderful activity and gift that should be cherished and cared for, that we need to teach them how to set boundaries around themselves, their sexuality, and their sexual activity. And this is very, very important. Why do you need to be the one to talk to your kids? Because believe it or not, they want to hear from you. If you don't talk about it, they walk away thinking, well, mom or dad just thinks it's bad and it's shameful and they don't want to talk about it because they're embarrassed or whatever. And they wonder why everybody else is talking about it, but you. And you need to be the one to give the initial talk and subsequent talks to your kids about sex, because more than knowing the mechanics, your kids want to know what you think about them having sex. You are the one who can present sexual activity to them in a positive way, in a wonderful way. You can empower them to postpone the sexual debut, to decrease the number of sexual partners they have. And this is the way to drive down cancers and depression and other infections in kids. And I know this personally because I testified at a congressional hearing in the early 2000s on behalf of the then head of the CDC. And a new report had come out on how to drive down cervical cancer in women. And they found there were two ways to do it. One, delay the sexual debut as long as possible. Two, decrease the number of sexual partners to as few as possible. That sounds to me like wait until you're married to have sex. Now, would the government say that? 
No, because they would consider that a moral or religious issue. Friends, it isn't. It's a medical issue. This is how serious things are. You're the one who can help your kids delay sexual activity. You're the one who can give them the self-esteem and confidence to set boundaries around sex. And you're the one who can teach them that it's too wonderful to waste during their teen years. Now, you need to have the initial conversation and then you need the conversation to continue as they're 13, 16, 18, and 20. One of the deepest conversations that I have with kids about sex is the summer before they go to college, because I tell them, this is what's going to happen. A lot of kids around campus are going to be having sex with a lot of different people. They're going to be drinking a lot. And it's really important that you know that when you drink, your inhibitions leave. And it's much easier to cave or say yes, or do stuff that you wouldn't want to do when you're not drunk. And believe it or not, friends, kids listen. Why? Because I talk with them in a way that lets them know I'm saying this because I care, not because I'm saying sex is bad. You shouldn't have it. You need to wait till your marriage because just knock it off and let's not talk about it, but just do it. That doesn't work. Kids will listen to you if they know you're in it because you love them and you have their back and you're with them and it's you and them against a culture that's trying to force them into early sex, force them into sex with too many partners, force them into believing and acting that they're highly sexually charged. Um, and, and they don't necessarily want this. They do it through social media and Facebook and texting and all sorts of ways. So it's really important that you're in there. Now, don't worry about parenting against the current culture, okay? Friends, it takes guts to train your kids to delay sexual activity because your friends aren't going to agree with you. People are going to think you're a prude, that you're a sex hater. People are going to think that you um, think that sex is shameful when in fact you believe just the opposite. But don't be embarrassed because what you're doing is raising your child above the nonsense and the toxicity of the culture and the sexualization of the culture and saying, I will help you live an emotionally and physically and spiritually much healthier life. And I'm willing to look different from my friends in doing that. So talking to your kids about sex when they're young and then as they move into their teenage years and then into college is one of the top five most important conversations you will ever have with your kids that will profoundly impact decades of their lives. So friends, you can't back off. You've got to be strong enough and bold enough and brave enough to dive into the conversations and to know what's happening in your child's world. Now, if you want to learn how to talk with your kids, what to say, how to start a conversation, how to know when to start that conversation when you have young kids, how to keep conversations going, what to say and what not to say, what to do if you feel embarrassed, you got to check out my brand new course, How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex. Go to meekerparenting.com and check it out. I promise you, 
you won't regret it. And aside from checking out my brand new course, check out my online PGK community. It's private. It is subscription-based. You can cancel your subscription if you're not learning and growing and feeling encouraged. But I guarantee you, parents, once you get in there, it's cheap. I answer your questions. Parents talk to one another. Because let's face it, this parenting thing is hard. And we talk about things like autism or eating disorders or temper tantrums or what to do if you find your 10-year-old is looking at porn. No topic is off limits. It's a safe place to be. So check it out. The PGK online community. You can find all about it at my website. And always remember, parents, that great kids are raised not born.